Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 877-499-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So cancel the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 877-499-MY-TV. Right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $24.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Cancel the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call now, 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101. This is the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime radio sports personality. Today's show is going to be really special. Why is that, Bruce? Oh, we got my good friend, Marty Lurie, who uh, has been doing the Giants pre- and post-game shows uh, for a number of years during their great World Series run. Also worked with Marty briefly when he was uh, doing the same thing with the Oakland A's. So Marty's a, a, a Bay Area sports baseball guy. All right. Yeah. And uh, in the second segment, who are, who are uh, we going to got get? Steve Bicker is going to join us from KCBS Radio. And he, of course, like uh, Marty, is a big baseball guy. So we'll talk some more baseball there and maybe a little NBA wrap-up. Very good. Yeah. All right. So uh, at each commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question where we're going to be giving away vacation to the correct uh, email, the first email with the correct answer. The vacations are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Lighthouse Resort and Marina. And those vacations are free. Their only request is a 100-hour cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. Check them out at lighthouseresortandmarina.com. And this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding still over 8%, secured by mostly Bay Area real estate. Now, a lot of people in the Bay Area, around the country, that's the San Francisco <coughs> Bay Area. All right? It doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at uh, PacificPrivateMoney.com. Bruce, we have just a, another quick minute before we have to cut the break. Right. Um, so when we get uh, Marty on the phone, we're mostly going to talk about baseball. Yes, we are. Okay. What else are we going to cover? Well, with Marty, I, Marty is, is one of these guys like a lot of us that fall into one particular sport. It's just it becomes a passion. It becomes a part of their lifestyle. And I think he probably has a lot more insight than most people because he's around it a lot more. So I think we'll just stick with baseball. And that's my favorite sport. Yeah, so. And mine too. All right. So when we come back, we're going to have Marty Lurie on. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Imagine your child cannot hear or speak. What do you do? Where do you go? Weingarten Children's Center provides innovative and effective services to children with hearing and communication difficulties. Support our programs by attending Tee Off for Kids, our benefit golf tournament, on Monday, June 6th. Hosted at an exclusive club in San Mateo with lunch, golf, cocktails, and dinner included. Amazing prizes like a new Porsche, Pebble Beach giveaway, and more. Buy tickets or support today at listenspeaklearn.org. Pedro Fernandez here. You might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570. 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570. The Health Alert Hotline. 1-800-428-1570. Are you wasting hundreds of dollars each year on contact lenses? Would you like to be able to see clearly again without reading glasses? Make the smart choice with IQ Laser Vision. Offering locations throughout California, Dr. Robert Lin and his staff at IQ Laser Vision have performed over 40,000 LASIK procedures. LASIK is also as affordable as your daily cup of coffee at less than $2 per day. See for yourself at IQLaserVision.com. That's IQLaserVision.com. IQ Laser Vision. Want to stay in touch with your favorite Sports Byline USA network hosts? Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You can also see the latest news in the world of sports, learn about upcoming contests and giveaways, plus catch up on guest info so you never miss a moment with the biggest names in every sport. Football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and more. No matter where you are in the U.S. or around the world, you can stay connected to the host and fans who love what you love. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone? Good friend of mine that I've known for a number of years. He's been working in local radio and specifically doing pre- and post-game shows for the Oakland A's and now the San Francisco Giants for several years during their great run. And Marty Lurie joining us. And Marty, the Giants, once again, it seems like every other year, the even year, they call it, uh, they seem to have everything going. The, the pitching uh, that they've gotten from John uh, Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja has really added to the uh, you know to the history of, of, of success of this franchise, and the, the question I have for you is, you know, they're a little thin in the outfield. Uh, their bullpen is still shaky. Is this a good enough team to win this division? Oh, it is, Bruce. Uh, number one, you have to look at the, the players and the teams in the division. And San Diego really has had a lot of trouble uh, getting a you know full major league team on the field. 
Uh, Arizona has really underachieved, and they had that bullseye on their back coming out of spring training. Frankie got off to a slow start. They've had a number of injuries. And then Shelby Miller, uh, they traded a lot for him. He has been uh, a big disappointment. So those two teams really have been out of it. Colorado is a team that is just tough to win there with, with uh, 81 games in the mile-high environment. So it really comes down to the Giants and the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have Kershaw and not much other starting pitching, and their bullpen is kind of shaky, and they've had some injuries. So the Giants really uh, are the best team in the division, and they're playing that way too because they're getting great starting pitching, great defense. Their offense is underachieved a little bit, but uh, when you compare them to everyone else in the division, they really are the strongest team. So it's not a surprise that they've got a nice six-and-a-half game lead right And they've won 16 as we speak, and it might be more by the time this show airs. They had won 16 one-run games, which I think counts for a lot in baseball because you, you know if you're in a close game, you'll find a way to win it. But more importantly, your pitching is going to keep that score down, so you're not going to be pressed to have to score five or six runs. You score four or five, and you got a great shot of winning. Well, and also the manager is made for a team like this because he loves the bullpen, and he's adjusted. Uh, usually he has a guy, maybe two guys from the seventh inning, one to the eighth, one to the ninth. Well, he's running six, six out there a game. So he's adjusted, and he's into the matchups. He's managing like he's in the World Series right now, and, and it's working out for him. Who do you think it, will be? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you, who do you think would be on a trading block? Well, there's no one on this team that uh, on the uh, 25-man roster that would be on the trading block. They have a number of minor league players, uh, some pitchers. They have some infielders and a couple of outfielders who could bring something. Uh, maybe the most well-known, I would say, is probably Andrew Susak, oh, yeah. uh, who's at Sacramento and coming back from some injuries. And uh, Trevor Brown is the backup catcher. Yeah. They seem to like him. So for recognizable names, I think Susak may be the most recognizable. You've but been, no one off this major league roster is going to be traded. I was going to say, you've been covering this team fairly closely, so you've gotten to know some of these guys pretty well. What impresses you most about the character and the personality of that Giants clubhouse? Because they've had a, a core of guys, not a, a, a big number, but San Diego Garcia, for instance, and Mad Bum, uh, Ma- uh, Madison Bumgarner, and Buster Posey uh, have all been around. And then you've got Pagan and Crawford, who have been around for two of the three championships so there's a there's a culture of winning and how, how can you quantify that or describe that when you walk in that clubhouse marty can you feel a certain aura from that team I, I, you know you've been around baseball long enough to kind of know when you're around a winning team just by almost the feel of, of a clubhouse yeah there's no tension in the clubhouse uh you don't have clicks uh they seem to mix well and i think you hit the nail on the head i think the fact that they've been through this before uh, it's June. They know what can happen in July and August. They know what can happen in September. So they're not going to be, you know, awed by anything. And I think they're just ready to play every night. I think, I think it's great for the new players, you know, Samarja and Cueto coming in and, and just going, you know, I'm playing with these guys who are champions. And, I mean, that's got to that's step up your game a little bit, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. The old Yankees, when, uh, you know, a player uh-huh. would go to the old Yankee teams, so the Yankee veterans would say, look, uh, you better play well. We so. Don't mess with our money. <laughs> and I, I like that. Of, don't mess with my money. <laughs> well, you know, and, yeah. and, and you know, this is a show that's heard nationally, so a lot of people are wondering, hey, how about some thoughts about the Cubs? And I'd also like to ask you maybe specifically about the Washington Nationals because they were a good team coming into the season, but bringing in Dusty Baker, I think, was a master stroke. And they, they're having a pretty good season. What's your read on, as we speak, they're in first place in their division. And a lot of things could change. But what's your read on the Washington Nationals? Well, I think they had a very toxic atmosphere uh, in the clubhouse last year that was accentuated when we saw Papelbon and Bryce Harper get into a shoving match on national TV. Uh, that stuff has been put behind them. They have an outstanding pitching staff. And I think, Bruce, when it's all said and done, if you look at the league leaders for starting pitchers, for relievers, for overall pitching, the first five or six teams are the first five or six in the playoffs. Washington is right up there. They have Scherzer and Strasburg and Gio Gonzalez and Joe Ross and Tanner Mm -hmm. Moark. And it's a very good, very good rotation. They've got some decent pitching depth in the bullpen. Not great. They don't score a ton of runs, but they've got some players who, like the Giants, have been there before. And I think they're a very good team. But uh, when all this is said and done, whoever ends up facing Washington in the first round will have their hands full. Yeah, Washington, of course, the Giants faced Washington in the first round a couple years ago. Much different team. How about Dusty Baker? I got to know him quite well when I was covering the Giants, you maybe not know him quite as well, but you've obviously gotten to know him personally a little bit because he's such a personable guy. How much of a difference can a Dusty Baker or, say, a Bruce Bochy make to a team that is right there on the on the cusp of, of being a great team? Well, I think it allows the players to play, and he supports the players, and, you know, he's behind them, and he understands the ups and downs of a season. Uh, he's not under any pressure because he's Dusty Baker. Uh, Mac Williams is under pressure because he had just begun managing. So for Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker and people who've been around for a while, you know they understand the rhythm of the season. They understand what can happen within a ball club, and they create an atmosphere of just playing without playing with tension. You can lose five of six. You can lose six of seven because that's part of a season. Then you're going to win eight of nine, and that's part of the season. These guys get it, and they translate that to the players. I wonder if some of these uh, players, you know, when they have a, a manager who was a superstar, like, you know, Ted Williams for the Washington Senators, and then, you know, Dusty Baker was, I don't know if you'd call him a superstar, but he was he was a darn good player. Very good player, yeah. You know, how they kind of, you know, look at and go, gosh, man, my manager, if, if they know anything about him, because a lot of times these young guys come up, then they don't know well, quite I mean, as much of the history. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. And i, I got to get Marty with some thoughts about this. I remember when Felipe Lou was here, and he was over 70 years old. This guy was a very good player, played a long time. But that, that begs the question, how many of the young kids today or even the veterans would have even remembered hearing about Felipe Lou because he retired in the early 1970s? But he had that – didn't you notice that, Marty, with a certain – manager has that aura of just respect and Felipe was almost like to me he was almost like a royal figure like a sort of like one of these ambassadors you know who's been around a long time everybody sort of you know just felt deferential to the guy because he was pretty easy going but also in command well I think the phrase is show me the man first then show me the manager mm. show me the man first then show me the manager. I like that yeah. and and that's Felipe Lou and Bruce Bochy and people like that Dusty that you 
they're exceptional people, and the managing just have to come along with it. And that's the way you get respect in the world is being is being a, a special person. So I think that's true. You know, talking about these you know big time players who become managers, uh, they don't always do so well because they they can't relate to a player who. Uh, maybe is mediocre or an average player, and they can't get it. Yeah. But the other point is, most of the managers, uh, so many of them are former catchers, mm. yeah. that you don't find first baseman, third baseman, center fielders become managers. It's usually uh, catchers, and it's people who understand the game and understand all the roles of the game, and I think that's part of it, too. Hey, Marty, uh, stay with us. We're going to cut to a quick commercial break here. So here's our first trivia question. After retiring as a player, with what team did baseball great Babe Ruth spend one year as a coach? Now, Marty, if you know the answer, don't say anything because we want to have the audience uh, give a shot at this one. Email edward at sportsecon101.com the answer to that question, all right? After retiring as a player, with what team did baseball great Babe Ruth spend one year as a coach? Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall and Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to uh, Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question. After retiring as a player, with what team did baseball great Babe Ruth spend one year as a coach? I think our guest Marty Lurie knows him, that. I'm going to let him answer because I think that's where he's from. Go ahead, Marty. All right. Yep. You want the answer? Now, yeah, now yeah. we want the answer. <laughs> <laughs> where, did, where did Babe Ruth finish off his – well, he didn't finish his career off. Where did he, where did he coach, coach for one, one year? year? Well, he finished with the Boston Braves right. as playing, yeah. as player. Then he became a coach with Brooklyn Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers yeah. What year? That's. A uh, I would say nineteen thirty-eight. Yeah, that's right, nineteen thirty-eight. Man, good. you must know something about baseball, Marty. You're like me, though. <laughs> I know you. You do live in the here and the now, but you're, you're like me in that. The wonderful thing about baseball is it is that marvelous mixture of men and memories of a bygone era that you can kind of tie together with this era. From your childhood, and I, I gotta—I don't want to regress too much here, but you, growing up, you had the unique pleasure of being a little boy in Brooklyn during the golden era when the Dodgers were in the World Series against the Yankees almost every year. What was that like? Well, it was wonderful. You know, you didn't have uh, pro football, really. You had the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers, but, you know, we didn't care about that. So baseball was the king. Baseball cards were, you know, the little... The little cardboard pictures, and then you looked at the picture and it told you the whole story yeah. of who the player was. You know, so you, you love that. Um, going to Ebbets Field and uh, seeing Mantle and Mays and, and uh, Duke Snyder and Don Newcomb and Don Larson and Barra. We had all of that in New York, and it was on TV all the time. We had the great announcers, and that was our sport. And we played stickball, stoopball, boxball. You name it, punch ball, everything was involving a ball. And for kids in those days, we didn't really have a baseball. We would have, like, they, you know, the, the ball, and you'd put electrical tape around yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you had a bat and it broke, you nailed it together. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I remember that. Yeah, I remember doing that quite a bit. I think the sure. bats were were put together a little bit a little bit uh, better back better, in those yeah. days, weren't they? What was that? The bats seemed to be a little bit more uh, durable in those days. They didn't break as often. That's right. They yeah. were, you know, cause they, didn't, they didn't have the thin handle. Yeah. They had a thicker handle and it was a thicker bat. Uh, but, you know, you always had the bat and, uh, you you know, you played stickball on the street. We didn't have dirt. You didn't have parks like we have today to go to a beautiful park and play baseball. We played in the cement, yeah. played in the schoolyard, and that's the way you played. On, on the street. Even. You know, what was it like? I don't know about you, Edward, and I, I can tell you what it was like for me walking into Seal Stadium to see the Giants for the first time at the age of seven. I, everybody always talks about this, Marty, and I don't know if, I'm not sure if you're any different, but the first thing I noticed was this huge expanse of green, and it looked so pristine and so beautiful, and then the diamond – 
the dirt cut out there and the and the mound. Is that the first thing you remember noticing when you walked into Abbott's Field as a little kid, or was it the smell of the place, maybe the the peanuts and the and the hot dogs and the beer? I think it was the uh, the outfield walls uh, to see the the advertisements that we had seen on TV. Oh yeah, rail yeah. or the Gem Razor or Abe Stark hit the sign win a suit or the scoreboard in right field which we had seen. Then to see that in color to me was amazing. Then the second thing is what you described as seeing the field. But the third thing which I'll still never forget and it still touches my heart today is to see the Dodger uniform. Mm, yeah. To see the number under the heart. The red number. And to see the pure white uniform and to know that my God I'm, I'm actually looking at Roy Campanella or Jackie Robinson or Don Duca. Mm. Uh, and that was it for me. And even today, last night I was watching the Dodger game on TV, and the, I just looked at the uniform, and I just transformed myself back to, you know, being a 5-year-old or an 8-year-old and thinking of what I saw in those days. Must, and I was going to say, it must be funny, too. On baseball. I was going to say, it must be funny, too, because now you're – you know, doing pre and post game shows for the team that <laughs> goes up against the boyhood team of your, uh, your of your memory, and and how much of uh, how strange that must be sometimes when you think about it. Yeah, no, well, it is, uh, but you know, I, I gave up on the Dodgers, uh, you know, sixty years ago, <laughs> so it, it's okay. Um, you know, but so the Giants are, you know, still. I, I'm learning a lot about Giants history. Well, you 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 had a, a lot of frustrating years, except for 1955. Well, for the Brooklyn Dodgers, yeah. yes. Uh, but we loved it. You know, yeah. we had all our baseball cards and everything, and we loved the story. And well, and, and I was remember, I, I was actually born in Brooklyn, and my my uh, my mom and dad came from Brooklyn, or actually, my dad came from Brooklyn, and was a huge Brooklyn Dodgers fan. So uh, you guys, you guys would have uh, had a good time together. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll never forget it. You know, nineteen fifty-five, we can remember it. And what happened in fifty-six? They lost the seventh game, and Don Newcomb. Yankees, they used to knock them all over the place. Well, and you were just a, a little kid Jerry when used to hit them. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say you were just a little kid when when the Dodgers moved away. That must have been devastating. Well, I moved first. I moved to Miami Beach ah. in September of 1956, and the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles, of course, uh, in the April 1958. Mm-hmm. Oh. So we're going back a few years. Yeah, that is a few years back. But it is amazing, Marty, how that had such an important effect on your life so that today you know you've come for full circle now you're talking about the game the game that you grew up watching and it's really become a big part of your life it is a part of your life from the from yeah the, and yeah. i think for everybody who loves the game yeah uh, you know i i can lead the, the charge a little bit talk about it but you have it everyone has that connection back to being a kid life was uncomplicated when we were looking for heroes mm-hmm. bonding with with others uh the baseball player for us growing up in that era that was our hero now today kids are different heroes are different people it could be musicians uh, could be actors uh because there's so much information that's on the internet so much on tv and movies uh and of course it could be any sport it could be golf hockey basketball football baseball so it's different but it's still universal you take a child from about seven to ten years old they're going to find someone be a hero other than their parents. You know, one thing I think you enjoyed uh, doing, and I've noticed it in your interviews when I listen to them, and it's a question I love to ask when I was doing a lot of Giants uh, and A's coverage back in the 
in the 90s and the early aughts and even as far back as the 80s is you go up to a player and you ask him, what was your first day in the big leagues like? And it's amazing, almost to a man, I don't think I've met a single guy who can't describe to me in great detail everything that happened in that day. Mm -hmm. And just imagine what it must be like, Marty, and I'm sure that that's a – have you talked to anybody who's told you an unusual story about something that really was extraordinary that happened on opening day? Because I'm I'm trying to rack my memory. Um, But I'm just wondering, you know, because you get a lot of stories from these guys. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's your your favorite story? (laughs) There's so many. I mean, you know, you can talk about Frank Robinson, you know, his opening day for Cincinnati and uh, hitting a home run off Paul Minner. Um, Back to, you know – Tim Salmon. I mean, it comes to mind very quickly. Tim Salmon was a very good outfielder yeah. for the Angels. And when he first got to the big leagues, he was opening day, and he went back to the hotel. And he described this picture, a great image. He said, I, and I had the, this large bed, the biggest bed I ever saw. <laughs> I just laid down in this bed, looked up at the ceiling, and said, I am in the major leagues, and I couldn't believe it. And I, and I always liked that image because I could know the feeling of the excitement of being someplace you say, wow. Mm. finally here and yeah. uh and i think those those kinds of stories are the ones i like yeah it's 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 special i mean i got a little taste of of traveling with the giants and actually getting to do a couple of games on the radio and i remember sitting behind the microphone and thinking wow i'm getting to talk about these guys and and think of the stories each one of them with rare exception had to fight and scrap oh, like willie, heck. willie mccovey is a great one yeah you know, willie mccovey was called up from phoenix and uh he got up uh, that morning and they Went in, Bill Rigney says, you're hitting third or whatever that day. And they put him in, and he hit four hits. And it was a day game. They didn't even have a uniform. They could barely fit him. <laughs> and uh, he ended up with two triples and two singles, and every ball hit off the wall against Robin Roberts mm. on July 30th, 1959. And that's probably the greatest debut anyone's ever had in the big league. It's funny, too. You talk to Willie about that day, and he loves talking about it because it comes back so fresh because – it's like your first, you know, your first girlfriend. You remember every every you know look in her eye and the the, the hand. Well, and, also, how many triples has he hit? Yeah, you how know, many triples did Willie hit? Because Willie wasn't exactly that fast yeah, a guy. Sure. Early in his career, he actually was. Sure. Have you seen Willie Mack at the at the ballpark at all lately, Marty? Because uh, Marty, because I haven't been out there much this year yet, and I know Willie's in his eighties now or close to it. How's he doing? Oh, you say McCovey or yeah? Mace? Oh, McCovey first, but I'm Willie. Yeah, yeah. Willie's still still out there. That's all good. All the time. Good, good. Uh, you know, and he's got a lot of physical issues, and he's in a wheelchair. Mm. But still, he comes to every game. Is as sharp as can be. He listens to the shows, and uh, you know, he's he's very much a supporter of the Giants, and it's great to see him. Mays is as sharp as he's ever been. Hmm. He's Eighty-five years old now, and still hmm. knows his stories and. You know, can tell you in detail of a catch he made against the, the Dodgers in 51 or losing the hat and how that happened mm-hmm. uh, or how the basket catch started and, of course, coming up to the Giants in 51 and not getting a hit for his first 12 times up. And, and then being being on deck out. when Bobby Thompson hit his uh, uh, it, mad majestic. Yeah. Yeah. For Bobby. yeah, for the yeah. shot heard around the world. You know, it's, it's funny, you've, you, I'm sure you've shaken – Willie's hand before, and he, you know, he's a he's not a big guy. He's five eleven, about probably in his playing days, he was about one ninety, but you know, solidly built. But he has these enormous hands, and when he grabs your hand, and I've got a big hand, and not only does he have a strong hand, but he grabs your hand, and it feels like you're in a vice. It's he like, hey, Willie, you know, <laughs> yeah, Willie, just take, take it easy, man. Has he ever done that to you? Because he did it to me a few times. 
He was on deck in 51 when Thompson hit the home run. He was as nervous as can be. He didn't even realize Thompson won the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did. He, he didn't yeah, he's just a 20-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. You know? He's just still fresh. And in 62, uh, to the day when the Giants came back and beat the Dodgers in the 62 playoffs, he got the hit in that inning, and he said, now I want to be part of it. I know I can get it done. And he hit a screaming line drive off Ed Roebuck. There you go. Which, which basically tied the game. Hey, yeah. hey, hey Marty. Marty, we, we're going to have to, unfortunately, we have to let you go because we have to cut to a commercial break. But we want to thank you for joining us on Sports Econ 101. Marty Lurie, a good guy. And uh, okay. again, uh, he does the Giants pre and post game shows on the Giants flagship station. He's just a wealth of, of baseball uh, stories. Here's our second terrific right. question. Sorry. The average one of these is 57 inches long. What? Stay with us, Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back. Here comes the decision now. Let's listen. Clarity in the world of professional boxing is spelled WBO. That's right. The World Boxing Organization is boxing's only transparent sanctioned body. You can follow the WBO on Facebook or check out their website, WBOboxing.com. That's WBOboxing.com. The World Boxing Organization. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. You don't buy a new truck without adding a few things to make it work better, like a winch or bed liner or lockable toolbox. So why not do the same for your Red Wing work boots? At a Red Wing shoe store you'll find everything you need to stay comfortable on the job. From moisture-wicking socks to removable footbeds and boot care products. So come talk with our fit experts today for handcrafted footwear and accessories to boot. Red Wing Shoes. Work is our work. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this, so call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com. 
Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our second trivia question. This was a hard one. The average one of these is 57 inches long, and, and it's kind of sports-related. So I'm looking at maybe uh, five, not uh, quite five feet. Well, let's see. six. Uh, yeah, five feet would be 60 inches, so it's uh, a little less than that. A boogie board. <laughs> no, a pool cue. A pool cue. Yeah, again, that, that was kind of kind of hard. And we also one. have now the next one we have is going to be a little bit easier. Okay, than that. okay. But uh, anyway, well, we got to get another guest on. Now. We have another guest. Why don't you good, introduce our good guest? friend of mine? He's been at uh, KCBS Radio here in San Francisco, All News Radio, as the morning sports drive announcer for twenty five years. A good friend of mine. We worked together at KNBR back in the late eighties, early nineties together. Steve Bitker joining us. And Steve, we just had Marty Lurie on talking some baseball, so we'll kind of continue with a little baseball conversation with you. What's your feelings about the early season uh, so far, the teams that are kind of in in command right now? Are you surprised by any of the teams that are doing well? Uh, are you kind of expecting... I think everyone's you know, surprised when the Cubs do well, but go ahead. <laughs> well, but I mean, the Cubs are doing well. Obviously, uh, Washington, the Giants, uh, in the American League, you've got... You know, you've got Baltimore is playing extremely well, and, and of course, over in the uh, the Nash in the American League's West, uh, Texas is having a great season. I mean, are you surprised by any of these things that have happened in the early campaign? Uh, you know, it's, it's a good question, Bruce. I don't, I don't really think anything is really surprising. I mean, I, I felt the Giants would dominate the West. I thought the Dodgers, for the second straight year, had a golden opportunity with their pocket loads of money to uh, come up with a big, big free agent acquisition. Um, in a way, they were hampered by the fact that they had two of the best uh, prospects out of the minor leagues, and Corey Seager, who you know could get National League Rookie of the Year honors, and they weren't willing to trade him. And Julio Urias, who uh, has made his major league debut within the last two to three weeks, he's only 19 years old. They didn't want to trade him either, and every team was asking for those guys in return, like they talked with Billy earlier about Cole Hamels. On the other hand, they never made an effort to go sign Johnny Cueto, who's the best free agent acquisition in the entire major leagues. And instead, they signed Scott Casimir, who has been mediocre, Kenta Maeda, who's been okay, but Kershaw's alone in terms of um, comparing him to what he had last year when he and Frankie were a fabulous one-two. Well, you- uh, Cubs, not surprising, although you know maybe their record is better than anybody imagined. Washington and the Mets and the East, no surprise. Texas in the West. Maybe I'm surprised by Seattle being as good as the Mariners have been. Um, I'm intrigued by Cleveland because they've got some great young fireballing right-handed pitchers. And uh, Baltimore, Boston, and Toronto in the East. So, Steve, let me ask you. You know, sometimes you see a trade and you say, what were they thinking? And then other times you look and you go, oh, getting Samarja and Cueto. That was awesome. I mean... What, what what do you think is going on with the like? Why would that happen? Why would what in particular happen? I mean, just you know, where it's like it. Sometimes it seems like it's so left side or right side from the standpoint of you know, oh my gosh, what what were these guys thinking? Why why would they take this on? You know, the specific player in this in this situation. Are you talking about why the Giants would take on Cueto? Oh no, no, that that's what I'm saying. Now that one was excellent. Well, but you're so, talking but, about maybe spending too much money on a player that, that yeah, is overrated or exactly. You know, well, I, I don't know about I, I don't know how about you feel about this, but I I think sometimes general managers are just hoping they can catch lightning in a bottle. That's part of their job, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the Dodgers were probably a little bit scared off because Cueto struggled. During his brief time with Kansas City, although I think he threw a two-hit shutout in the World Series, and he experienced some elbow discomfort, you know, and that was probably a big red flag, so they stayed away. But you know, the Giants did their due diligence and had him checked out, 
a wise investment. And, uh, I mean, he's not only been sensational in terms of 10 wins and a 2-1-0 ERA, but he's incredibly fun. He's incredibly entertaining to watch and, according to his teammates, to play with. So that was a huge deal. And, you know, when the Dodgers signed Casimir, eh, you know, Maeda, I think he's been good but not great. So I just wonder, the Dodgers end up spending so much money on so many players who are okay but no great shakes. Uh, Brett Anderson, you know, McCarthy. Uh, they signed Matt Latos. That didn't work out. You know, and Kurt's not all alone in terms of being the ace of the staff, and their bullpen still sucks. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't. And they've got more guys, former general managers in that front office than any other team in the major league by far. So I don't know what their problem is. Um, Too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, you can head to the deadline a month from now or yeah. a month and a half from now, and maybe you know they'll come up with a big move. But I, I wouldn't hold my breath. I mean, I'm hearing the Cubs are going to go after. Uh, both Yankee relievers hoping to get one in terms of Miller and Chapman. That would be a great move for the Cubs. I think the Cubs are in a win-now uh, mode, a win-now way of thinking. They've got they've got all the pieces, even though they lost Schwarber for the season, and they don't want to waste this opportunity. Yeah, no question. I mean, when you have that chance, and the Cubs have been playing so well that you have that window of opportunity. On the, on the other hand, you have a team like the Giants who seem to mix and match every other year. They put it together, and, you know, you look at them on paper, it's a very good team, but these World Series wins that they've had um, have not ex- – by, by the way, are you out of Candlestick Park? It sounds like the wind is, is howling there. What are you, where are you anyway, Steve? Bruce, I am out uh... – I'm out in the uh, the western uh, most western part of Alameda. Ah. I'm right on the bay, looking out on San Francisco with my uh, I'm with my uh, daughter and my nine month old grandson having lunch out here. Oh, sweet! So it's 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 a little bit breezy, and maybe there's some interference. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're at Candlestick Park. I was just thinking of, of our <laughs> of our wonderful day. Steve and I worked together, and during that time we did work together. It was at Candlestick Park, and whenever I think of Candlestick Park, Steve, I always think of the wind and the cold. But there's something about that place I I kind of miss. As great as the Giants' new ballpark is. Don't you have those kind of feelings for Candlestick Park too? Because we saw so many so many wonderful games there. You mean nostalgia for Candlestick? Yeah, not so much for the park eh, itself, but, no. just, but, just eh. for, but just for the teams that played there. I mean, Will Clark and Matt Williams and you know uh, Dusty Baker, his first year managing in 1993, John Birkin and Rod Beck, and you know a lot of yeah, a lot of characters. A terrible stadium. Though. It was, but I mean, they had so many great. And Willie Mays, of course, played there. McCovey. Well, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't. I don't really have any nostalgia for Candlestick at all. Uh, I have some nostalgia for Seal Stadium, but not really for I, Seal Stadium. Uh, wow. But, now, but, but Seal Stadium yeah, wasn't around that long for us. I mean, we were kids. I oh, guess because of the first. But even though I was little, I still have yeah. memories of it, and uh, it was known at the time as the most beautiful minor league park in America. That's true. And um, there was one member of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors that wanted the uh, New York Giants to play at Seal Stadium and eventually double-decked the place. Mm. Uh, but he was outvoted by the other members of the board who were in uh, cahoots with uh, the mayor, George Christopher, and the team owner, Horace Stoneham, who wanted to have a stadium built uh, a little bit south of downtown where they could uh, have 15,000 parking. 
Yeah, that was the key parking in those days because uh, America was becoming more mobile in the late fifties, early sixties, and those. I mean, that's why Dodger Stadium was so successful because everybody sure. in LA could could drive to the park. You you remember driving to the park though with your dad? It wasn't it kind of a absolutely. Yeah. I remember the long line of traffic forming when you when just when you got around the corner after the airport where you could first see candlesticks. Yeah, <laughs> my dad my, my dad wouldn't go way to the front and then cut in. That wasn't. Uh, that wasn't acceptable, but he wouldn't necessarily lose himself in the in the right lane too early either. So, <laughs> smart guy knew how to I maneuver. Think, you know, the closer you got to Candlestick, the more excited you were to get it and see and and, and see a ball game. I mean, I have great memories of so many fabulous games at Candlestick throughout my childhood. Um, so many great personalities. You mentioned Will the Thrill, uh, but the stadium itself. I don't think. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and and you had a chance. You've had a chance, as I have, to interview most of the the big name players over the last twenty years. And a guy that, unfortunately, just you know, he he was a great player to watch, but very very difficult to get to know. Barry Bonds. I know you had your moments with him. What was your impression of him when he was, uh, you know, dealing with the media and specifically your your interactions with him? Can I use any of the seven words that you can't say on? Uh, no, <laughs> we are FCC regulated and all that fun stuff. What? No. What was your? What? What? You guys had a, a kind of a little run-in once, didn't you? Or what happened? That's not uncommon. He did that with a lot of people. But I mean, shoot, uh, what actually happened? Was it just after a game and he, he was ticked off about something? I don't know if you remember. Um, it was his. Was his second or third? His first year was ninety-three. Was it ninety-five when there was the work stoppage? Yes. Well, 94, 94 was the work 94. stoppage, and 95, they were, yeah, they came so back. It was early in the season, and they were playing the Mets at Candlestick. And uh, you may remember the name of this guy for the Mets. Terry Mulholland was pitching. Oh, yeah. Pitching. Yeah, sure. And, th- and this guy hit this clothesline shot headed toward the left field wall, and Bonds did not move. He, he kept his hands on his knees, and the knees were bent. And he was staring at the plate, and the ball went right over his head, and he never moved. Mm. Was it a double? The ball bounced off the wall for a double, and the you know everybody knew that Bonds thought the thing was going to go out, and mm. he just didn't move. Right. So when Bonds came to bat in the bottom of the first inning, he heard boos, and it was the first time any of us had ever heard Bonds booed <laughs> as a member of the Giants. And he was booed probably in part because you know he was showboating that my ball, but also just because of his attitude, which, you know, people were, were beginning to get a, a great wind up after two, two and a half years. So, it, so afterwards you, you went up to still him. Still there? You still there, Bruce? Yeah, no, yeah, no, we're, no we're I was going to say afterwards you went up to him in the clubhouse? Yeah, well, what happened was in the um, locker room afterwards, you know, we were like gathered around Bond's locker, and I just uh, very, very gently in a non-threatening way said to him, um, you, you know, you heard boos for the very, very first time. Uh, you know, how did you react? What was your uh, feeling about that? And he, he just lashed out. He said, uh, you know, if those, uh, if those people who were booing me, they could play any better than I can, they can get their asses down here and they can perform. Mm-hmm. And I said, Barry, it, you know, you say it doesn't bother you, but it sounds like it does. And then he, he got right in my said, no, it, it, it sounds to me like you're trying to make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, this is wild. So I go up to the press box, and I'm editing that sound to use on the air, and the AP writer who was sitting in front of me heard that sound. He had already written this, 
And he said, oh, my God, can I hear that? (laughs) He listened to that, and the next thing you know, that was the AP lead all around the country. (laughs) CNN, everyone picked it up. Headlines in the paper the next day, Bob's Rips fans. Wow. And Larry Bear and Peter McGowan and Baker went into a – prevent defense and they gathered around bonds at the ballpark and they said you need to apologize uh and so they gathered reporters around and bonds in his own way uh said regarding what he said he said the reporter was baiting me really you were baiting him steve i know you too well you were baiting him you you just wanted to get him you were out to get bonds (laughs) and we're gonna admit it (laughs) but i ended up calling dusty uh-huh. Telling him what I felt about it. And Dusty was, you know, he was apologetic. He was embarrassed. Yeah. And, you know, that just, there were so many things, you know, the way he treated Sam Skinner. I mean, yeah. You know, it's an endless number of things. That's interesting. Ruthie, yeah. yeah I've, got, I've, I've got a call from Steve. Yeah. yeah. No problem. I was going to say, in fact, that we got to cut to another commercial break. So, Steve, sometime we'll have you on again uh, when we have more time, okay? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks so for joining much, us. Steve. Okay, that's a great story. But I was going to ask him about you know Dusty Baker, and we'll talk about that in the next uh, segment. But because uh, yeah. I had a lot of dealings with Dusty Baker, he was a great guy. Very good. All right. Yeah, because when we come back, we only have two minutes, so yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll make it a quick sure. story. I'll make it a quick story. All right. So here we go again. This is this one's a little easier than the last one, but it's the same along the same lines. Okay. In Olympic competition, what must be sixteen feet three inches long and four inches wide? Ah. The first email with the correct answer wins a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Email edward at sportsecon101.com the answer to that question, all right? In Olympic competition, what must be 16 feet, 3 inches long, and 4 inches wide? Don't touch that dial because Sports Econ 101 will come back with Bruce uh, with telling us a story, and then we'll cut out for the day. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. 
You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third trivia question. In Olympic competition, what must be 16 feet, 3 inches long, and 4 inches wide? That's easy. A pole vault. No. No? Oh, a javelin. No. No. Wrong sport. Oh. It's indoors. Oh, it's indoors. Don't know. Balance beam. Ah, uh, never would have guessed that one. Yeah, four inch, a four-inch wide pole vault. Wow. That would be pretty I, big. That's okay. You thought you knew it. Hey, okay, you quick, have time. Quick, quick story quick about story. Dusty Baker. Well, in 2002, they're in the playoffs. They've beaten Atlanta. So Dusty's won his first ever playoff series as a manager. We're in, I was traveling with the team at the time. We're in St. Louis. He invited me into his, into his suite to talk with him. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We just got in from Atlanta, and he just wanted to unload. And, it, you know, it relates to uh, Bicker's story, Steve Bicker's story about Barry Bonds. He says, you know, Bonds and Kent, these two guys are beating each other up all the time, and I'm having to get in, in the middle of it. And I thought, wow, you know, Dusty's going to be gone after this year. He can't handle this anymore. And sure enough, he left after that year. Wow. So, yeah, you have, as the old saying goes, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes yep. he'd been there 10 years. He knew all the stories. Gotcha. He knew where all the berries, or bodies were buried. <laughs> and sometimes when you get a new player in, if he thinks he's a little bigger than he is, you know, that well, you guys Bonds and Kent, you had two guys, same personality, but they just did not like each other. Very gotcha. crasty, kind of angry guys. Okay, here's yeah. our thoughts for the day. We're going to close out. In 1921, the New York Times decided to devote the first 13 pages to the heavyweight championship between Jack Dempsey and George Carpenter except for one little space in the front page declaring the formal end to World War One. <laughs> There's your priorities for you. Boy. And Hello. in the very first Boston Marathon, uh, and I couldn't remember the year. I think it was 18-something, uh, 1890 or something. Only 15 runners competed. Wow. And only 10 finished. Whoa. Well, it's 26 <laughs> miles, right? That's True, run. but... Uh, I think a lot more people finish now. Okay, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and giving away more free vacations for answering sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.